to, you know, someone reading 1 Corinthians 13 and think, oh yeah, love is patient and kind and all that, and everybody warms up. You can listen to the Beatles singing love, love, love. All you need is love. What a beautiful thought, as Larry Norman wrote in one of his songs, the Beatles said all you need is love, and then they broke up. And that's the truth. We talk about love, but how does it really flesh itself out? And especially as people who follow Jesus, what does it mean to us? And so we're going to look at a scripture that might be familiar with you, uh, to you. In fact, way back in the day, there was a song that Debbie and Ernie did that came word for word from this scripture. It's 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8. So if you don't have that going through your head already, you can look in your Bibles and see 1 John 4, 7 and 8. And it says this, John says, Beloved, or those who are loved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. That's a mouthful. There's a lot there. Really, if you don't love, you don't know God. If you love, you do know God. If, you, you know, if you've been loved, you're supposed to love. There's so much in this verse that we need to think about. But let's work our way through the verse a little bit, and I can break it down for you some so we're, we're understanding the same things about it. When he opens the verse, verse 7, by saying, Beloved, it's a form of the same word as love. It's the, it comes from agape. But he isn't using it just as an expression of, oh, my beloved. Because it comes in the middle of a section, really. It's not, if it was at the beginning of the book and he called them beloved, you might think it's just a title. But he is talking to people and saying, we are loved. This is something that we need to put together, that you are loved, and the fact that you are loved makes a difference in how you identify yourself, in how you treat others, in what matters in life. So he's saying, to those of us who are loved, and that's, it's in the present tense, it's continuously, those of us who know that we are loved. Then he says, on the basis of that, let us love one another. And again, it's the present tense. He said, let's together agree that we will continue to love each other. But our love for each other is connected with the idea that we know that we are loved. So there's knowing that we are loved primes the pump that should cause us to say, when we get together, we can love each other. That way it's not a pure reciprocation. It's not like you love me, so I love you. That's the way most human relationships work. It's like, no, you are secure in knowing how consistently loved you are. And as a result, on the basis of that awareness, let's get together and let's love each other consistently, not conditionally, not sporadically, but consistently. So those who are loved constantly, 
let us love with regularity each other. And then he explains, for, you know, here's, here's the explanation. For love is of God. It, there's not a really good way to translate that to reflect what's, what it says in the original. It's not so much love is of God or love is from God. The word that's used there is the, the preposition is the word ek, E-K, and it means out of. So what he's saying is when he says love is of God, he is saying love springs forth out of God. It comes from his being. If there is love, it's because he started it. If, there is, if love exists at all, he's the inventor of it. He is the one who is the source of it. So we can't love in the way that we're intended, and we can't understand love in the way that he intends it unless we understand that this love is coming directly from him. So let's love one another consistently, regularly, because love is out of God. It, it's not, love isn't God. Um, later in the end of the verse, he says, God is love, but he never says love is God. Love is what you know it to be, that selfless, you know, sacrificial, desiring good in someone else. But he says, God invented that. That every bit of love originates with him. Now, sometimes this may be difficult for us to understand because we think, well, how about somebody who doesn't know God? Are they capable of loving? Of course they are. It would be completely arrogant to think that only Christians know how to love people. In fact, if you think that, you don't know very many Christians or non-Christians either. But he's saying he originated it. It comes from him. Love is, is out of God. There's a connection. And everyone who is loving, again, it's present tense, everyone who is consistently loving is born of God. Now you go, wait a minute. So anyone who loves is automatically a Christian? Well, that's not what it says. That, that phrase, born of God, is not intended. And again, we, uh, the evangelical you know, Christian subculture has created this concept of there's a time when you pray the sinner's prayer, now you're born again, you're a Christian, you're there, and that's it. The Bible doesn't really teach it quite that way. I mean, born again is only referred to uh, in Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus, and he's certainly not telling Nicodemus he needs to pray the sinner's prayer and accept Jesus Christ. He's saying, you need to start over from scratch and go back and rethink everything that you've learned. But now here, born of God, that term is only used in 1 John. It's used five times in the book of 1 John. It's not used anywhere else in the New Testament. But it's like, if it was just... Everyone who loves is born of God. Then you go, wow. But he also in 1 John says that the one who is born of God does not sin. So now you're like, yeah, that pretty much eliminates all of us. But he also says that 
if you, if you, you have to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, in order to be born of God. Anyone who is born of God believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So now that complicates things a lot. So wait, what are you saying? In order to be born of God, you need to not sin, be loving, and have your doctrine straight about who Jesus the Messiah is? Well, that word born there is the word ganao in the Greek. It's, a, it's the, the same root word from which we get genetics, gynecology for that matter. Uh, there are all sorts of English words that come from this root word. And what it refers to is the seed of life. Usually when it was said that someone was a, um, you know, was born of somebody in the Old Testament even, it was their dad was so-and-so. Like there was genetics of the father and in a few cases the mother as well, but were passed into this person and now they have this relationship based on their origins, based on their original, you know, the planting of, of seed genetically that happened to them. So if I haven't lost you yet, I mean, I don't, this is second service, so I expect you to be able to hang with us. But he, if you love, you know, so he goes, let's love one another. Love is from God, out of God. And everyone who is loving is genetically connected with God. Now, again, we're not talking about whether this person is even saved or not, although certainly if you're not connected with God genetically, you're certainly not somebody who he would identify as being saved. But it's a greater thing than that. It's like because God invented love, wherever there is love, there is an echo and a reflection of the family resemblance that comes from our creator who loved the world even though he understood that most of the people that he loved would not return that love. He, he thought that the ones that would made it worthwhile. But if you understand that, you see a loving person and you realize God has done something in their lives and he has planted within them this capacity to love, to value, to put someone else's interests ahead of your own. And it's a beautiful picture of God that may be there before you knew it. Maybe before you even knew that Jesus died for your sins and rose again and, and offers forgiveness to you, there was a seed of love that was planted in your life somehow. And John is saying, remember that all of love Everyone who loves is in, in a relationship with God, has this genetic trace. God is the ancestor, in some ways, of everything that's loving. So obviously, if you reject that, you know, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, that is, and again, knowing God, not in terms of, are you a Christian or not? But that word for know there, gnosko in the Greek, it means they're experiencing it. It's a knowledge that comes from experience. Whether you're aware of it or not, 
long before you decided to follow Jesus, you began to understand that there is a God who cares about you, that you understand what it is to care because somebody loved you and then you love someone else and you're like, wow, this is starting to make sense. And then you find out, I knew God because he knew me before I really understood who he was. It's, it, it's not just about all of a sudden, boom, you're horrible and then you're amazing. No, it's like God was working in your life. And if you're listening today or you're here today and somebody brought you to church, it's because they want you to experience something that's already a fact. There is a God who loves you. The truth is he's been doing stuff in your life. He cares about you. And when you see him, when you finally decide to surrender your life to him, it's going to be like, I already knew him in a way. I mean, I, I was seeing this. It was, he was popping up everywhere. Things about him were there. So John's using that reality and saying, the reason why we who are loved need to consistently love is because that is the bridge that we build for people going from God to people. That the love that people see in our lives is a reflection of, is genetically related to, and literally comes from the deepest part of what it is to know God. So then he says, so what if you just decide not to do that? What if you just go, you know what? I don't. I don't want to care about people anymore. And it's an honest feeling that we all sometimes, we often will go, I don't know, man, is it really worth it? If you've loved someone and they don't, you know, reciprocate, there's this sense of, I'll never love again. That's it. I'm giving up on love. But John says, you can't do that. Because if you don't love, if you stop loving, that is, so you don't continue to love, but you give up on love, then you're giving up on your knowledge of God. Because everything that you can know about God is embodied in that principle of love, that genos of, it, that comes from the love that God had for a world that caused him to, right from the beginning, send his son, come up with a plan to redeem the world. And so John is just going, you can't give up on love because if you're giving up on love, you're giving up on God. You're giving up on yourself. You're giving up on everyone else. So he says, we've got to work together. We are loved and we know it. I will remind you and sometimes you need to remind me. We are beloved of God. So let's commit that together we will consistently offer love to each other and to others, that we will walk in that love. Let's love each other indefinitely because love comes out of God. There's all kinds of stuff in the world that comes out of all kinds of places. But love at its core is coming out of him. And 
to understand love is to begin to understand something that is directly related to God himself. And in fact, the greatest connection that we can have with people is the fact that God loves all of us. So when you are loving in even the simplest way, especially when it's unpleasant, you are connecting with the depth of that which matters most, the depth of God's character himself. And if you choose not to do that, you are walking away from really wanting to know and experience God in your life. To know him is to love. To love is to be drawn to him. To to follow his pattern of unconditional love is to open a door back through, all the way tracing it back to God himself. And so John goes, you can't let go of that. So, as he says, we're loved always. So let's commit to always loving each other. Because love, I know what the source is. It came in the same way that you see some ingredient and you look at the label and it says where it came from. When you look at the label on love, it says it came from God. And, and not only that, that the fact that we are loved connects us to God. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, we are all a part of those people that he loves. And so when I'm reminded of that, then I go, okay, I need to hang in there and continue to love. Love is coming from God and it is a part of, who, of his identity in us. Now, as he says, so when you give up on love, you're giving up on God. When you're giving up on love, you're giving up on everything that matters most. And the reason John is saying that is because continuing to love is not an easy thing to do. If loving were automatic, if it was such a positive reinforcement that, boy, every time I love, people love me back, it's just amazing. We wouldn't even need these two verses because it would be like, Look, just try to love and you'll see it's awesome. The truth is, some of the deepest hurts in our life come from love. Love isn't always returned. So John wants us to understand this is not about what you get out of it, although you will get plenty out of it. This is all about what goes into it and that is the very heart of God himself. He is the seed of what love is about. And if we're related to him, we keep doing it. If you give up on love, you give up on God. It's that simple. So, beloved, loved ones, those who are consistently loved, let's keep loving each other because love is, comes out of God. He invented it. And everyone who is loving is showing a familial relationship, a genetic connection, if you will, with God. But if you don't love, you're missing him. You're, you're showing that 
You don't believe in what he says is the most important thing. You don't believe in the fact that Jesus said, the whole Old Testament is about love God, love people. You're like, nah, what else do you got? How about, is the whole Old Testament about making you a better person, making you superior to others? You can choose that. That's religion. That's not God. That's not who he is at his core. So when we look at this, I mean, a part of what makes this a problem is that love only does any good if it's reciprocated. And that's something that, you know, we sometimes assume that if I love, it will be automatically reciprocated. And that's certainly not true. Most of the people you love will not love you back. So you have to accept that. God accepts that. Most of the people that he loves reject him. But, and John 3.16 gives us a hint. Why did God love? For God so loved the world, the entire world, not the elect. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loved the world, but the only ones that really benefited from it are the ones who reciprocated, responded to that love. And guess what? It's going to be the same in your life. If you never love anyone, you'll never be loved. But at the same time, if you love, you'll be rejected most of the time. But every once in a while, there's a connection that ends up making it all worthwhile. And that's when love feels like, wow, this feels like God. Love is, is from God. It's coming directly from him. And in the simplest ways, that's true. I, you know, um, my little two-year-old granddaughter, uh, my, my son and daughter-in-law have interesting ways of child rearing, you know, and, and they, don't, they don't tell her to say or do anything. They don't make her say thank you. They don't make her, they just like, you know, we'll model it for her. So she does something, they thank her. They, but as a result, she has this amazing capacity to respond in a way that actually makes it pretty touching. And like, she was sitting on my lap one time and we were playing and goofing around. And out of the blue, she just goes, Papa, I love you. And nobody told her to say that. They didn't teach her to say that. It's just spontaneously, she said that. And I'm like, that's unbelievable. That means more to me. Yeah, you, she's a two-year-old. What does she know? That maybe it takes being a two-year-old to love somebody like me. But that love is incredible. It's so precious. And I saw more in that love from a two-year-old of God than I see in people who are like, you know, pastor, I love you, but I think that you might think about, you know, I don't see love in that. I love you, but. Um, even I love you because you've been nice to me. I haven't done much for Amelia, but she loves me. The other day, she, they uh, FaceTimed and said, and we were driving and Amelia just said, did Grammy and Papa love me? And so we thought we would call you so you could tell her. You know, It's like, so simple. And yet, so God. But that's the tricky thing about love. There are going to be times when no matter how much you love somebody, they don't love you back. 
But that's why it's partly a game of percentages. Love is completely wasted when it isn't reciprocated. So your best chance of receiving love is by giving out as much of it as you can, loving people in as many ways as you can, and every once in a while it comes back to you and you go, that made it worth it. Saving like a fraction of a percent of humanity made the cross worth it to him, and we have to understand that in order to continue to walk in that love that has bad percentages, but that brings the only true love, which is reciprocated love, if that makes sense. You know, it's also important for us to remember, I mean, if love is out of God, you know, and God is love, then he is intimately involved with the whole concept of love. And we need to remember that we will never be closer to God than when we are closer to love. You're never going to be angry at somebody and really feel God's presence. Now, there are people who think that every time they're angry that it's the righteous indignation. No, it's not. You know, I, I mean, I know people who really, the only Jesus they really like is that one that spent about 15 minutes kicking over tables in the temple the other the Jesus of the rest of the time they don't they're not they don't like him the one that turned the other cheek the one that was a victim and didn't answer back didn't defend himself didn't argue in court didn't get himself a lawyer they're like yeah I don't like that Jesus I like the one that goes and kicks over tables um, but if we are going to be people who understand we want to connect with God it's going to happen in love it's going to happen. Through love. That's what John is saying. John was always called the disciple of love because he ranted on this all the time. And I've told you the story before. After he got off the Isle of Patmos, wrote the Gospel of John, wrote the book of Revelation, and then he was kind of senile and he was there at the church in Ephesus, still where he had pastored. And every Sunday they would bring him up to the front, sit him up in front, and he would say, Beloved, let us love one another. And then they would carry him off. It's all he remembered. It's all he knew. That's not, a bad, that's not a bad way to start. It's not a bad way to end. To understand you're never closer to the heart of God than when you are giving and receiving love. Now, the th- thing about love is, though, it requires a consistency. It can't just be kind of hit and miss. Problem is, for us as humans, we're kind of hit and miss. But we need to be reminded, this is something that is, throughout this verse, in the present tense, it's like we need to form patterns of this kind of love. We can't just like do it and go, there, I got that over with. Is my life, uh, you know, a life that reflects and understands, you know what, I am loved every day by God. When I lay around and do nothing, he loves me just as much. When I'm being a jerk to people, he loves me just as much as when I'm being really kind to people. His love is consistent. But what that can generate in me is a greater consistency myself that 
I can't, I don't just want to lean toward loving people who are really nice people. A lot of times in church, we're drawn toward the people that we know are really encouraging. There are some people I know, every time I talk to them, they're going to encourage me. And there's nothing wrong with talking to those people. Sometimes you know, that's just what I need right now. There are some people that are best avoided at times. But at the same time, do we love them? Do we care about them? Because it's that consistency that makes love matter. So we need to work at understanding that consistently we are loved. Good days, bad days, we can count on it. That our love comes from God, and every time there's some love, it's a a little bit of God leaking into our lives. And then we are committed to loving people with that same kind of love that he demonstrates for us. But the other thing that should get our attention, okay, if you don't love, you don't know God. Not knowing God should be something that I don't want to just brush aside. I mean, it's true what I said, to be born of God means to have a genetic ascendancy from him. It isn't commenting necessarily on your future. The Bible has plenty of things, and John has plenty of things to say about our future and the faith that necessitates that. But when it comes to to love, it's important for us to, you know, get a hold of this concept that this needs to be a pattern, but this means something. It, you cannot, you can be like, no, man, I, I believe in God. I can recite the Apostles' Creed. My doctrine is correct. So let's think about this. Let's say that you believe that there's one God eternally existent in three distinct persons. I believe that. Let's say that you believe that God became a human in Jesus Christ in the manger in Bethlehem and that the angels revealed who he was, that he grew up and lived a sinless life and loved people and did miracles and taught truth and died as an innocent man after being tortured and he rose again on the third day and he ascended into heaven and he's coming back someday. Does that kind of cover it? You know, yeah. I mean, that's, if, you're, if you don't believe that, you, you don't really believe in Jesus or the Bible. But here's something. You know who believes all that? The devil and his angels. Their theology is better than ours. They know things we don't know. The, the angels don't have to fight about Calvinism and Arminianism or eternal security. Or whatever that is, however it pans out, they probably have a really good handle on it. But they are damned forever believing the right stuff, but not submitting to the God that they know is real. They've seen his work. I mean, that's Jesus saying people come to him and go, you know, uh, we preached about you. We did miracles in your name. We, you know, everybody knows we're Christians. And he goes, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Why? Because you didn't care about people. There were people who had needs and you didn't give a rep. You, you just ignored 
those who were in desperate measures. And because of that, you showed that the truth is, you may think you knew me, but I don't know you. That should concern us. And, and yet, on the other hand, it should free us as well, because am I going to get my theology right? My theology can change in minor areas. I mean, I, if, you, if your ideas of scripture interpretation haven't changed in the last 20 years, then you just wasted 20 years of your life. We're supposed to grow and learn and expand. And, uh, but if it comes down to knowing the right stuff, again, we will never ace the test that the devil could ace. But when it comes to loving, he just can't do it. He can't bring himself to do that. It's something of which he is incapable. And so John says, you are aligning with people who have Good theology, but no heart. Make sure you don't miss the heart. Now, loving people does not automatically mean that you are a child of God. Again, John says, it's about believing that Jesus is God. That Jesus said, you know, nobody comes to the Father except by me. So the question of eternity is a bigger one. But at the same time, we need to realize that we should never take comfort in thinking that because we believe the right stuff, that we're fine, that we're good with God. Especially, he says, if you don't care about people, I don't care what you believe. It's not going to do you a bit of good. You are not, you don't know God. Do you know God? John says, then show it. In what ways is your life reflecting the kind of love that he says was the most important thing to him? And that is, on the one hand, liberating because it's simple. I can look at it. I can very quickly analyze, do I care about people or don't I? How much do I care about people? Am I caring more than I used to? Am I I loving people who don't love me back? Then I feel assured but if, you know, you can have all sorts of other criterion for judging yourself. Well, how about, you know, I mean, I do this sin. I don't do that one. I don't do that as much as I used to. I don't do this one, but I don't get caught. He's like, let's make this really simple. You don't love, you don't know God. You walk in his love. You grow in his love. You allow his love to continuously flow through you. You're good to go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this revelation of your word. It's, there's some of it that scares us. There's other, other things in it that just comfort us so much. Teach us to allow that seed, that genetic connection with your love to flourish in our lives and to truly continue to love each other. Help us to never quit on caring about people because that is our family resemblance to our Father in heaven. Lord, if there's somebody here who's never made a decision to submit to that love, I pray that today you'll let them know, actually, you've been working in their life. Every time somebody cared about them,
every time someone reached out to them, every time they cared about somebody else who, who didn't have anything uh, that they could gain from, that your love was working in their lives, but you want to come into a full, deep relationship with them, to assure them every day that the God of heaven loves them constantly and then to help them to love more consistently like their Father in heaven. I pray that today will be the day when they decide to make that right with you. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This verse, some of us, if you're old, you remember singing.